Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. My name's Stephen. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, it's been an interesting season for us as I've been um, preaching out at the West location a lot more and, and so appreciate and love that, obviously, love that, but I'm so happy to be home at Central now. And it, it's great when you have people um, come to you when you're the pastor of the church and they say, hey, this is your first time in church today? And I'm like, yeah, good to meet you. Um, but if you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, that's, that's why we've been I've uh, been helping out preaching there a bit, and um, I'm excited to be bringing the word today. It's great to have Pastor Joanne uh, Cannon and Gord Cannon here today from the West location, and many of you guys would know them, but um, C3 Central wouldn't really be able to happen and be happening without them and their support and the role they play in that. Pastor Joanne's on staff at C3 Calgary as the uh, executive pastor, and she keeps me sane and, and walks me off a cliff, some, uh, back off a cliff, not off a cliff. <laughs> back from it. It gives me a little shove off it when I'm having a moment. And um, God's on the board as well. So if you have any board questions, they're here for church today, but he's saying, nope, don't come see me. No. But there are, honestly, it wouldn't happen without faithful, amazing people like this. So let's give them a hand. And we so appreciate you guys and welcome you here. And again, if it's your first time, so happy you're here. You picked a great day to be in church because today... Every day is a great day to be in church, but I am looking on. Let me give a bunch of trigger words all around. Today, I am preaching on sex, sexuality, gender, and purity. Amen. Welcome to church. But more than that, I'm believing for freedom in an area where the enemy has cap- um, captured people and actually held them down. This is not a single person message because purity and these things are equally as important in our marriages, in our singleness, in any stage of our life. God is calling us to these Areas And as we rethink today, and I think there's a rethink screen, it's our relationship series, I want us to rethink and think about and pray about what is God saying to us in our area of sex, sexuality, lust, let me get them all out there, Uh, pornography, just to make everybody uncomfortable up front, Um, gender, any of the stuff that can often trigger us, because God does have a design and a purpose, but he also has freedom and grace for us in this broken world that we live in. So buckle your seatbelts in if you need to, because we're, we're going to explore the Word today. And, um, and I'm going to talk about that, but I'm kind of things today. I want to remind us of what God says about us, you and I, as He's created beings. Then I want to talk about what a, a worldly or a, um, the world's version of this God's creation, actually, but actually how it impacts our friendships and our families in other areas. It doesn't just affect um, our individual stuff. It affects everything, this area. And then I want us to rethink and give us some tools uh, of breakthrough in this area from that addictive nature of some of these things. And I know we're all looking good today, and we're all um, here and ready, but I also know deep down inside, many of us suffer from, um, from shame in this area, from guilt in this area, and captivity. But God is not a God who condemns, but he's a God who sets free today. Amen? 
So that's what's going to happen. And even if you're here today and you're pure and you're angelic, that's a beautiful thing. But there's a very good chance that if you directly are not affected by this, I guarantee you, I'm not a prophet in saying this. This is just the facts that someone in your life is being affected by this. And you have an opportunity to bring freedom to that. Again, um, it's a married person thing. This isn't something that um, even as pastors that I'm exempt from. We're all living in a broken world and all influenced by a broken idea of sex, even in marriages and all those stuff. But God has something greater. Just because the world is de deconstructing this topic, going woke on this topic, um, God is not. God has a design. God is clear on it. God has a purpose and he has boundaries that he's um, forgiven you. God's grace flows. But also when we go back to the order of how God's created things, it's because he wants the best for us. So on this topic, if we go woke, we go broke. But in God's kingdom, we are fixed and repaired. And it's a beautiful thing. God is not gray on this. So let's look at Genesis 1 verse 26. Lord, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you it's authoritative. I thank you we come here together believing this isn't just the good book. This is the God book, and your word gives direction to our life. So I just pray you would speak to us despite the uh, nervousness and anxiety and shame and things that can come up. Lord, we want to hear your word today. We're not here for a motivational speech. We're here to hear from, the, from you, God. So I pray you're speaking through your word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis 1 verse 26. Right there in creation, right there in the beginning. This is what God says. says then, this is what the Word says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Isn't that the authority that we have on earth that we've been entrusted with as, as mankind, as, as male and female, and as the human race, that God actually empowers us? It's not just, uh, you know, God doing it all. He actually gives us the authority. So we're therefore responsible for the world that has been created. There's a whole bunch in that that we're not going to go into, right? That's, that's it. God created as male and female um, is, is a powerful thing, right? That's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's tried to be, people are trying to strip that away in our day and age. But, but God actually created male and female, complementary of each other, equal in status. It doesn't say man's greater. It doesn't say woman's greater. It's actually together as male and female. We need to take a moment and pause and know that, the word says that you are created in God's image. It doesn't say that animals are created in God's image. It doesn't even say that angels and anything like that are created in God's image. It doesn't say that creation itself is created in God's image, although it reflects his glory. It says that you and I, as, as men and women, are created in the image of God. What does that mean? That we're an image bearer of him. Today, before anything else, I want you to remember and maybe hear for the first time that you, of God, when people look to you, of God, you are a metal aspect of what God is. Like we should all be going, oh, wow, right now, this is mind blowing stuff, the reality of this. The word says that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
by God. We're created by God. We're not an accident. Psalms 139 says, For you formed, speaking of God, for for God formed my inward parts and knitted me together in my mother's womb. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. So that means that you're not just an accident. You weren't just a, God didn't just like, uh, just throw you out into the world without any thought. You actually created and worked. What He put work into you and I and who we are and who we're meant to be of God. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race. Now, this isn't a race of people. This is speaking, if you've placed your faith in God, you are now a part of a new race. The Bible tells us there's no longer Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female, nor slave, nor free. When we come into Christ, we are united as a royal race, of a family of God. So this isn't a racial thing. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness and into a marvelous light. This is who we are. This is who we are. I want to get a picture, an analogy. I was, I was trying to think of a, a movie, or, and there's like a billion movies that have this story and many books and things. And of course, when you're trying to think of one, you can't think of one up here. But um, I want you to picture this, and this may relate to some of you more in the natural, but but I want to picture that you were you were born. Okay, that's all of us here. We were born. You were born and, and grew up in a in a family and in a situation that that wasn't didn't feel right. Something felt off about it, and and you found yourself in a family that was uh, relationally very strange. You didn't have a great relationship with your parents, and financially, it's always seemed to be a problem. In fact, when you would. Uh, leave to go to school that day when there would be electricity on in the house. And you could never seem to get along with your mother and father and, and brothers and sisters. And food always seemed to be a problem. You weren't sure what you were going to eat that day. And, and this was the life that you'd lived. And, and this is what you'd become accustomed to and, and normalized to. And, and it was uncomfortable. And you never knew if you were going to get out of it. There was a cycle of things going on in your world that kept you in this. It didn't feel right, but you didn't know there was something else. And then one day, someone arrives on the door, on the door, to the door. Knock, knock, knock. Answer the door. Hello, we're from the government. Slam the door shut. No, just kidding. Hello, we're, we're here. We're, say, hey, we, we wanted to let you know there was actually a mix-up at birth. On the day that you were born, there was a mix-up took place. And you were actually swapped, and, and you found yourself in this situation that that you actually weren't meant to be born into. And actually, you were born into a family that was royalty. King, a king and a queen actually gave birth to you, and, and you were meant to be, and they're living in a palace, and we've just discovered this, and, and you've been living this life and this thing that's been hard and uncomfortable, and you've settled, and you thought this would be your future, but, but actually, your inheritance and your birth is royalty. It's majestic. It's great relationships. Even though existed, you never thought you'd get to, but you're actually invited and born into that. Friends, that's you and I and this world that we live in. All of us, to some degree, have settled for less than what God has for us because of circumstances, because of things that have been done to us, things that we have done. But the invitation is to step back into God's design, step back into our royal inheritance, and live the life He has for us.
we are made in the image of God, image bearers of God, and have a royal inheritance to live out. Do we believe it? The starting point into stepping into this is actually, do we, do we believe that? Do we believe that we're image bearers of God? Do we believe that we're his workmanship? And then do we live it out? We need to believe that in order to access our inheritance. So what's this got to do? So far, so good, hey? What's this got to do with purity and sex and these things? Well, don't worry. We're getting there. But I'm t- again, I'm talking to all of us today, married people, single people, it's complicated people. Like, like OMG is, God has on it, people. Whatever it might be, whatever your relationship status is, God has something great for us. God has something greater. And we are all, we find ourselves today, tomorrow, in our life, in a constant battle between are we going to accept sex, sexuality, purity, and and beauty the way that God designed it to be in our lives? Or are we going to partner with the way that the world and the enemy wants us to, which is a counterfeit and a false version and a less than God's design? That's the battle we're all in, whether you feel like you're in a battle or not. Are we going Today I'm believing that we're going to walk out, living out more on this side in God's design, in our relationships, in our life, in that area, in our thoughts, than partnering with the enemy and what he's trying to tell us about this thing. Will we embrace God's design or partner with the broken, fallen, incomplete, counterfeit version of his design? If you don't think this is a thing that we should be talking about in church or affecting people, well, I love you with all my heart, but you must be living in a cave if you don't go around and see how, in this, how sexualized our world's become and how, um, how deprived, in this, uh, depraved in this area and how everybody's affected by this and seeking something greater, but it never seems to satisfy in the natural. And so then... The decision we're faced when it never seems to satisfy is to continue to dive down that path to get more and seek more and want more and we get a momentary uh, or do we need to step or satisfaction in the natural but then it continues to draw us in or do we need to step back and go maybe, maybe there's a different way. But it's all around us. Sex, images, ideas that affect not just the world out there but us in here, me included. I think about this often with my um, three-year-old son, Huan, when we go for our... And after about like 30 minutes on our days off, I'm like, what are we going to do today? Let's get out. Let's go and do something. And she's like, well, it's home day today. I'm going to the mall with Huan. We go for a little walk to get out. And, but I've been thinking about the day when I walk past one of those stores and, and one of the images that are up, and he's going to actually notice that something's up. And it scares me a lot. He's going to... Because you can't even walk through the mall and not be affected by that. And one day he's going he's gonna to notice it beyond just the innocence of a child walking through the mall, but there's going to be something that creeps into his think patterns or thoughts that make him notice that there's something else going on. It's all around us. Song of Solomon's uh, three times, but says this in chapter 8, verse the lovey, I love coffee. It's not, uh, I, I love my friends. It's actually from the word eros love. So really it's saying sex, sexual love. It says don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is ripe 
and you are ready. What a warning in the Word of God there, right? Because we're in a world and we've all lived lives and I've lived a life where it was stirred up earlier than it should have been and it's affected me in my relationships. You know, I, 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 Brittany and myself um, were great. We came into, we were lucky and fortunate. We came into um, to marriage and, and we're the only partners we've ever had. But I remember a time when I was a young kid staying at a distant thing, house and he was thinking about this and, and going through this and it didn't, at that time, didn't seem to have a big effect on me. But, but if you, I bet you, because my parents have talked to me about this time in my life where I went from being quite open with them in our relationship and, and quite happy and that to clo- closing off. And the Lord told me um, as I was prepping this message that that instant, that uh, him doing that to me, waking up something before it was meant to be um, woken, actually was one of the causes of why that happened with my parents. See, even though it didn't directly uh, do something to me uh, there and then, other than the normal boy kind of thing that images would do, it actually affected the relationship. Everything in TV and movies at the moment, music sends messages to, to our kids and to us that you should be sexually active now, and if you're not, there's something wrong with you. That's the message we get. That's the message that... Christians get. I've, I get to hear about the dating scene in Calgary, and it breaks my heart that's what it, some of you guys are having to face as you're trying to find a partner. Not a great scene. Our society, here's the thing though, our society is constantly changing its mind on what's right and wrong. And no more, I don't think, is that more evident than in sexual ethics. What was taboo 15 years ago, people would think is wrong in 20 years may be very different because it's always shifting and moving in that continual seeking after more. But here's the thing. The word, Isaiah says, the word of our God stands forever. It doesn't change. So we're following God. If we're seeking after him, we're in relationship with him. What he says trumps what the world says. And we've got to seek after that. You guys still with me here today? We're going somewhere. Sex was created as a gift from God. Um, And so like anything that he's created, it's good in the right context. The Bible affirms this. But unfortunately, we don't always treat the gifts of God like they're meant to be treated. Am I right? Let's do a few examples. Let's zoom out of the creation and gift of sex for a moment. Think about... um, uh, the plants and chemicals and the ability to make medicine, right? So God's given us this gift in this world of creation, of, of medical, uh, sorry, of plants, of, of chemicals that can create these things that gives, that destroy people's lives. The gift's the same, but how we use it is very different. The Bible says often um, that wine can be a blessing, and it represents blessing at times. Wine, the, the wine you drink, not just the fermented group jace fruit, fruit juicy thing that we have in communion here, but, but actual wine can, can be a blessing. But we all know that it can also be a curse when it's drunk too much and drunkenness and addiction and these things take place. Same gift, right? It's the same gift. It's, it's wine. It's a gift. But when it's used in a godly way or when it's used uh, in the way the enemy would have us use it, it goes from a blessing to a curse. What about the gift of, of knowledge or the gift of information, the ability to learn? Who's thankful for, for technology, for example? I'm so glad I got my little iPad up here and my phone. I'm, a, I, I'm so thankful for technology. 
Uh, God gave us uh, the ability to, to evolve in our thinking and to go from, I'm glad that I, I like to think sometimes that I wanted to be born in, in older, simpler times, but then, uh, but then I jump on my phone and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty thankful I have one of these bad boys here too. The same flushable toilet, that's a good one. Amen there, Shelby. Um, all these things, right, can be good. They can be a blessing. They can also create nuclear bombs that destroy and kill people and wreck lives. Same gift of information, one for blessing, one can be a curse. You get my point, right? God's gifts are, are a gift, and they can be used for good or used for bad. They can be used for life or used for destruction. They can be used to enhance you and to let you uh, experience the fullness of God here on this earth, or they can take you off path, enslave you, and cause destruction in our life, utilizing it in the right way. It's very clear the, the world and culture is not at the moment. In Ephesians 4 verse 19, um, there's a verse that was written 2,000 years ago, and I believe it uh, describes our society here in 2022 as well. It says in 4 verse 19, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Here's the problem. And I'm highlighting the problem because if we don't know the problem, we can't get to the solution, which is freedom in God. We've lost our sensitivity. As I've been exposed, maybe nothing shocks us like it used to in culture. We don't know how to fight and stand for, for biblical values. Sometimes we don't even know what they are in this area. And with the loss of that sensitivity, our society indulges in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more that never satisfies. The good news is God has better for us and is calling us to a higher standard than the world standard. Be in the world, but not of it is one of the not be affected by it. But we can live a different way. Matthew 5, verse 27, as I get scooting along here, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Everyone's pretty good with that idea, right? Yeah, that's something you probably shouldn't do, commit adultery. And in the context of, of Scripture in the day of age, what, what he's saying is anything outside of, of God's design for marriage between a male and a female in a covenant relationship. But, but we all, pretty much, that's a good thing. There's nothing controversial there. You have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And women, ladies... That doesn't let you off the, off the thing there. He was speaking to men, but it's the same for you and I as mankind. That it's actually a heart issue. That it's not the outward expression that's the issue. That's, that's a symptom of a heart problem. And, and to look is equivalent in the eyes of Jesus in an in a unintent, in, in un-God's designed way at somebody is actually just as equivalent as, as doing the action because it's a heart issue. And you can work hard, you can strive hard, you could stop from doing the action, but still be just as much outside of God's design in the heart and through our eyes and what we look at. 
So how does this manifest here? And, and I've got about 12 minutes here to scoot through, but let me give you some statistics. If already you don't realize that pornography is one of those things that, um, that is swept under the rug in churches and not talked about maybe as much as it should be in a way that it, it could be. And it's because it's a little bit awkward and, and I'm a little bit awkward and we're all a little bit awkward. So let's embrace the awkward together and bring out one of these things that is destroying marriages, destroying relationships, destroying our children and destroying our society. Amen. So let me give some stats here. Porn, um, as a manifestation of, of this heart problem and a tool of the enemy, this, is, this isn't just a Twitter poll that I put out. This is actually from Barna Group and some university studies. Over 40 million Americans daily visit porn sites. There are around 42 million pornography websites. The industry, the pornography industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. It is also more, makes more money every year and profits more than the combined revenues of the ABC, the CBS, and the NBC. 47% of families in North America report that pornography is a problem in their home and they don't know what to do. Pornography use in a marriage increases infidelity rate by more than 300%. So if there's regular use by one or both of the parties in a marriage, 300% more likely to have an affair. Element of children will see pornography or porn images by the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in porn websites. 57% of pastors say that porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation today. 69% say porn has adversely impacted the church, the way people relate, and the way that we do church community today. That could go on and on. It's a little depressing, depressing, doesn't it? Despite the fact that porn is widely unrealistic and six out of ten of the videos or images online glorify violence, sex, and over a third of girls, 37%, reported that believing that pornography was a realistic depiction of sex and is the main influence of how they've learnt that sex is meant to be. Six out of ten, violence, racism, sexism, and our young people think that's how it's meant to be. It's a porn. You want to talk about a pandemic today? We're living in it. It's a pandemic, and it's affecting everything. First Thessalonians 4 verse 1 to 7, it is God's will, so this is to you and I now, so here we go. We're starting to go into the good news now. We've had a look at the bad news because freedom and good news is here. And actually, there's no condemnation. There's freedom in this place today. And an invitation to get back into our royal living and our inheritance in Christ. First Thessalonians 4 verse 1, 7 says, It is God's will you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That's what we're made to be. That's what we can be. God doesn't put stuff in his word and say, this is what you can be, but there's no way you can obtain it. That's not what he says. He says, this is what you can be. This is how you can live. And I can show you a way to live that out. Thought life, things outside of God's design, anything like that. Um, what we're really doing is debasing what God has created. You as a person, 
you're saying that you're less than what God's created you to be. That person, that partner, that uh, thing on person on the screen, we treat it like a thing. We're actually debasing and saying that other person is less than what you've um, designed, God. And we're saying that about sex. But the way it affects our other relationships is isolation, objectification, and shame. So if you're here today and you're still thinking, hey, this is just a personal thing. This is my private life. This is my, it doesn't affect anyone else. So what's really the big issue? Actually, it's affecting your friendships. It's disconnecting you from community and seeing a person as an object. This has proven that people who have regular porn use um, over time isolate from their friendship groups and their family, um, objectify human being with dignity, other people, even those they don't know, so that, that it's now an object rather than another human being with dignity. Because of that experience, shame, and, and my guess is we've all experienced some level of shame in this area before, but that shame continues the cycle of isolation and objectification. It's a trap that we can't get out of, but God can get us out of it, so it's a beautiful thing. So this is um, what we, we need today, I believe the word we need today is that God is called not to rethink this area of our lives. We're made for something better. What the world offers um, is designed to stop us from stepping into what God has offered you. And when we engage in this behavior and we don't repent and move forward from it, we're agreeing with that lie from the enemy. And the enemy can't attack God directly, so he's attacking God's sons and daughters, his creation. So what do we do? I just want to give us a few quick things here. We're going to pray at the end of the service. And then this week, um, go out and, and think about this and, and talk to God about it and renew. Is this an area in my life that I need breakthrough in? We're not interested in just motivational talks or TED Talks here. We're on a journey of discipleship. And that's the word for this church this year. And one sermon can't be dealt with, but because God's not just calling us to come in and, and get pumped up and then leave, he's actually calling us to greater levels of discipleship and holiness and righteousness in this earth together. So that's where we're going as a church, and I'm excited for it. So what do we do? First thing is, we confess to God and repent. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful. Isn't that good news? And just, and will forgive us our sins. But not just that, he will purify us from our unrighteousness. Some of us have been trying to obtain purity on our own, but purity on our own. But when we confess and bring it to God, not just does he forgive what we've done, he actually then takes us on a journey of purity. I know I used to work in the forestry industry in, in Tasmania. And I believe it's a good And don't worry, like, I, don't judge me, okay? I believe in the environment. I believe it's a good thing. If you've ever sat on a wooden chair, you can't judge me. But we'd cut down trees is what we'd do. And we cut down trees. And we'd, in the sawmill, I, I was working there. And one of the jobs at one point was to purify the knife blades. So what would happen is the trees would get chopped up. And that takes a lot of um, work and effort on the part of this, these blades. So we'd take the blades after a few hours of getting used from the machine. We'd take them into this room, which was like stinking hot. Like you wouldn't believe it. You'd just go in sweating and sweating. And you put them into the uh, boiler and we'd boil up the metal. And what would happen, this was our purification process. Because in the heat and in the uncomfort, and I'd come home with burn marks on my face and um, like from the spitting of it and on my arms. And Britt was like, who do you get in a fight with? And I'd be like, hey, it was just the purification process. 
But we'd melt this metal down. And what would happen is in the melting, it was very uncomfortable. It was yuck. It was hot. It was cold. But what would happen is after a while in those metal, this sludge and the murkiness and the dirt and the grit that had got in there would rise to the top, would scoop that off, and the product would be more purified. Purity is an uncomfortable journey sometimes, but it makes you unbreakable in the future. The, 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 the journey of purity in our sexuality is uncomfortable and awkward and tough and hard work, but it's the only way that we can become unbreakable at the end of the day. So we confess to God it can be tough. It confesses on a journey of purity, but that doesn't mean things we can do. Well, I think the yellow brick road key for this is found in James 5 verse 16. So we confess to God, sincerely confess, because he knows anyway. We repent. But then it says uh, in James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is speaking of confessing our sins, but this is really speaking of accountability. We need brothers and sisters in our life who will keep us accountable. We need people that we can go to and confess our sins where we won't be judged. So it's important you find someone that isn't going to judge you or make you feel bad. But on the other hand, we need to find people who aren't going to say, hey, God forgives you. God loves you. But you're better than this. You can do better. We're going to do it together. We're going to partner together. And it says, confess sins to each other and pray for each other so that there's healing take place. There's healing in accountability. In the area of sexuality, sex, if you're struggling in this area, I encourage that maybe this is your connect group leader, maybe it's someone here at church, maybe it's a friend. Um, just be, you know, you, you guys are smart people. Pick, pick wisely, but find someone you can say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Would you commit to praying? Would you commit to keeping me accountable? And would we be able to go on this journey together of stepping back into what God has for us? Repentance to God and accountability with others. And then the final key of many, many keys in this area that we can find in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. So if you remember anything today, remember this. To go and look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is beautiful. This speaks of our bodies, our whole being, being something that we present to the Lord as worship. Worship is sacrifice. True worship requires a little bit of sacrifice. Sometimes I've, I've chatted to people who have come into our praise and worship setting and, and wondered why they don't get anything out of it. And sometimes it's because we're not actually putting anything into it. Worship is sacrifice. It's something that's worth something. Our bodies are worship. It means intentionality. I mean, there's so much in this. The need to be renewed every day before we do anything else in this area. And maybe it's simple, as simple as this, repeating 10 times, I am valuable to God and worth more than what the enemy has told me. And repeat that over. You know, my, my son Hewan's doing this Kids Strong program at the moment. Shout out to any Kids Strongers out there. We're kind of like the CrossFit cult for kids, but it's awesome. Um, but in this program, it's all about not just is the importance of positive affirmation. So my son uh, and anyone doing the program, every time has to get up and say, I am brave. I am strong. 
I can do this before they go and do their little thing. But, but it's amazing seeing, even in the last three weeks, how the kids who at the start were a little more timid and doing this and weren't doing it and shy, as they speak this out, as they start to live this out, it renews their mind and they actually become braver and stronger and believe they can do it. This is the same for you and I. The renewal of mind is simply that, renewing it with God's words, not the enemy's. Renewing it with God's principles, not the enemy's principles. And as we renew our mind, we begin to believe it. We begin to live it out and step into new freedom in this area. i got to finish up. This is important to me, so thank you for hanging in. in, Because I know there's people here who are suffering in this area, and you still don't know what to do. But we need to invite the Holy Spirit in. Uh, uh, Let me give you some resources here in this area um, if this is something that you are struggling with. Um, And Let me grab my phone because I didn't write one of them down. Um, But there's a book that has been impacting a lot of people. It's written for guys particularly at the moment. Sorry, ladies, but I'm sure you would benefit from it. It's called The Death to Porn. You should read this book, guys. Um, This goes through such a beautiful theology of this but brings freedom to people who are struggling with sexual addiction in that area. The Moral Revolution website is amazing. Some of you guys would have heard of that, moralrevolution.org. Check out some of the resources on there. This is a journey. It's a commitment to a journey of renewing our mind. This is one of the tools that we can do that in. Um, There's one called Fight the New Drug. This is a secular one. This isn't a faith-based one, but it has so many great resources and information about kicking And another one is uh, restoredministries.ca. And that's one where I've, I've talked to some people who have gone through this group, this journey, I think based out of Edmonton, or, and, um, and this amazing freedom experience through accountability and being equipped and prayed and standing with people. Guys, we can defeat this. You can defeat this. You're made for more than what the enemies sold you and I. And we can step into a great design. Let's stand in this place. If I can have the band back, I want to read one more scripture and then I want to pray for us. And then we want to stand and pray with anybody at the end of the service today. One thing I forgot to mention, some very many kids in our kids area. And it's a great problem to have. So as of March 1st, we are expanding and opening up a second kids area. And so it means more effort for the team, but it's amazing. So continue to bring your kids. We know it's a little crowded at the moment. The kids team's doing an amazing job caring for kids and, in, and doing that. But come March, we're going to have some new things. Romans 8. This is important. If we just close our eyes even in this place, we'll get to a place where we can hear from the Lord. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 9, You, I want to hear you say, Me, Me, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of God that rose Christ will rise in your mortal bodies. Guys, we, in this place, so if you're for condemnation for those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. So if you're feeling condemned from God today, that's actually in you and I. And in, but beyond that, the ability to say no to flesh and yes to spirit and to seek after Him and to live a life free in this area. I want to pray for us.
Thank you for hanging in an extra few minutes. I'll hand it back to Shelby to close the service. But I want to pray, and I know this is a big issue. So remember, we repent to God, we find someone we can confess and be accountable to, and then we renew our mind. And I believe God has freedom in this area. But also in this moment, He has freedom for us. So let's just continue to have our eyes closed. And if this is you, I want you to say this prayer in your heart and say, I'm agreeing with this prayer, and today I'm going to step out in new levels of freedom. Lord, I thank you, God, that you've called each one of us here something in you, Lord God. We have something that we can access that this world does not have the ability to access without you, God. So I pray in our area of sex, sexuality, our lust, our pornography, these things that have enslaved many of us and has shamed many of us, Lord God. I pray for freedom right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for your blood that washes over us and forgives us of any of our sins. So anywhere where we've felt dirty, anything in our past that would try to define us is no longer relevant because we step into the new creation that we are in you and you call us beautiful you call us valuable you call us worthy you call us worth it so worth it that you sent your son to die for us lord we can your eyes they would know for than that lord so i pray every person that you approve of them how much you affirm them how much you're calling them into a new way of living not because you can you condemn them but because you want freedom and the best for them so lord i pray Today we would leave feeling lighter, freer, and ready to step into the purity that you have, Lord, that we would rethink our relationships because it doesn't just affect ourselves; It affects others. It affects our families. It affects our friendships. But God, you have made a way, and you are the way maker. So I thank you for new levels of freedom today and that we would walk away from this place rethinking, reevaluating, and inviting your Holy Spirit in to speak to our area of sex in this day and age. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. So good. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.